Hi, welcome to Chamber Chats. I'm Bruce Williams. I'm the CEO of the Greater Victoria Chamber of Commerce. I'd like to begin by acknowledging that I live and work on the ancestral lands of the Lekwungen-speaking Coast Salish nations, the Songhees and the Esquimalt, and it's our privilege and pleasure to work and live alongside them every day. Chamber Chats is brought to you by Island Savings, a division of First West Credit Union, and by C-SPAN Victoria Shipyards, and we do our recording here in the studio facilities of Czech Television. As the Chamber and all the business community are realizing, we're making our way through this pandemic as best we can. And the way that we put it at the Chamber is that we are taxiing together down the recovery runway. Because at the end of the runway, of course, we take off. And that's what things are going to do very soon. All of us have seen pivots happening within the economy and in the way of doing business. And the people that are leading the way with that are the pivot pilots leading us down the runway. Three of them are going to speak with us today. One has seen a distinct uptick in the business that they're in, which is involving security. That's a big deal these days. Another person is involved with the running of events which have not been happening. And my first guest is Nicola Walton, who is the executive director of the Arts on View Society. But Nicola, I guess the more common way of recognizing that is Herman's Jazz Club. It's been around forever and a day. Give me a brief history of Herman's, first of all. Well, we were just saying 40 years. um, There has been a stage in Victoria, thanks to Herman. Um, It's been primarily a local venue. And so we were able to sustain a lot because we have local talent abounds in this city. Um, We can do 400 shows a year. So it's a constant um, entertainment business. Yeah. You didn't do 400 shows this year in the last year. You know what, though? I think we're over. Yeah, we, we, I think, have probably done 300. So we're going to talk about that pivot to the way you did that. But when this all came down in the first couple of weeks or month of this, what's going through your mind about what is going to happen to this place in this facility? Musicians were going to get hurt. Um, we And actually, when they first started talking about gig economy, I, I thought specifically they were talking of musicians because they do, they do play gigs and they make their money in piecemeal. Um, some have other careers, some do teaching on the side, but all of the people we see uh, coming through Herman's are paid um, to perform. So, I mean, at that time, we thought even six months, this, this how, or a year, a year and a half, the connection to audience is something that they build up over years, yeah. right? And, and it's a real connection that was really very, very threatened. Um, and so it, there was all of uh, the concern for the business in and of itself, but it, we really rely on audience. We really rely on performance. That's what we do. So it was, it was those other factors that really came into the fore of our strategy moving forward. So you did a pivot and you did exactly what we're doing right now. You've done the performances virtually. So tell me about putting that together and what sort of, what, what had to happen technically and logistically for that to happen? Technically, when we first started, we went and got Huawei cell phones and we mounted them in the room. Um, we, had, we had talked for quite a long time about what it would take to record and, and whether we could get into pay-per-view like other clubs had done or, or these types of things. Also about accessibility. I have um, a real love for the seniors that come in to mm-hmm. this club. We have a lot of it. And I mean, pre-COVID, you'd find them in isolation situations. Now it's been um, a real drive so that we can have music come into other people's homes. But yeah, we have a sound system that's extraordinary. Then we went to the Huawei phones, um, and then our 
kind of chief sound producer helped facilitate the acquisition of the cameras that we use now. So this is a way for musicians to get paid. Uh, so where's the revenue stream for that? Are, are people paying to watch the streaming? Is that what's going on? People, we, we set it up by donation okay. and encouraged people. So it was very rapid to go through a PayPal system. So in the PayPal system, we would list the performers of the week. And because it's accessibility as well, like audience is important, people's involvement in music is important. It's, it's a continuous, um, continuous evolution. Uh, we made it so that it could be accessed by anybody. And we, we went from a Facebook, Vimeo is really core to what we've done and YouTube because it enables the chatting. There's been some jumps because definitely the technologies have changed and the platforms have evolved for this as well. People have been wondering how much of this kind of stuff is going to continue, you know, virtual meetings and interviews and things like this. I would think that ultimately you made that face right out loud. I like but, it. <laughs> no, but you want to get people back into the club, right? You want to come and have a couple of drinks and mingle and get to, that's all going to come back, right? And that's what this society is all about. Uh, the uh, Arts on View Society. Tell me about that. So the Arts on View Society formed five years ago, actually, and it was in the event of Herman's passing. Uh, I have worked in this room for 20 years, so very familiar with Herman, very familiar with the community, very familiar with kind of the need to keep this type of operation going. You don't just move this someplace else and it happens. No. This is this is built. So we were formed um, to protect Herman's Jazz Club. And in our in our very early evolution all the way through, it's actually about this entire building because this whole building is um, brilliant for performance. Upstairs has a much larger venue. And while we're looking at our pivot, Having more space shoulder to shoulder, I think, will remain important for a while. Yes. Uh, and downtown Victoria, um, you don't have to look long at how the theater companies move, um, music companies move, and what's happening on the music scene. We need affordable, um, accessible space yeah. downtown. Just to wrap so it up. it's our cause. To wrap it up, Nicola. Tell me about the pies. Oh, you want to wrap up on pies? Yeah. So one of our other, wow, you went quickly. Our other pivot. <laughs> so it is about keeping us and we have our employees. They're brilliant. Um, we are not in the best location for takeout or patio space, but we have, because of our PayPal, been able to do what we call prepaid PayPal pickup picnic pie pivot Wow! Um, <laughs> through our platform and they're delicious. And it's another way that our audience is able to consciously support us with something in return our audience i have to say thank you um, because they know they're contributing to making something last yes. by donating through the live stream and supporting the musicians like they do so we can get that info through your website i'm sure absolutely and all the information about the music you're going to be streaming and pushing out is all on the website too our website is and and you can go to our youtube as well and see all of our past streams so there's a lot of entertainment still coming out of this room well good for you congratulations yeah. thanks for doing thank that thank you thanks for keeping the spirit alive nicola walkton is one of our pivot pilots she's the executive director of the arts on view society so no we're not gathering in bars and restaurants and nightclubs anymore <laughs> we're also not getting together in big groups anymore we're going to talk with somebody next who knows all about that and we're going to talk right now with Tammy Tate. Tammy is the CEO of Social Media Camp. Tammy, you've been around as an event planner for a number of years now. So first of all, let's talk about business before COVID. Yeah. 
business before. So a social media camp has been a conference that's been around for 10 years. Well, actually, I guess 11 years now. Um, it was Canada's largest and longest running um, social media conference. And um, I actually took over. I um, purchased the conference uh, in the fall of 2019. So all in the hindsight, yeah. <laughs> it's all in the timing. So our first conference was supposed to happen in May. And then, of course, everything went sideways. So, yeah, so it's been a totally different world since uh, since last May. And for a long time, I've known you for a long time and you have run events yeah. and things in the past. And you do that by, you know, you book a hall and you bring people in, you sell tickets. That's kind of where the revenue is for that. How did all that change now that you've had to pivot away from that live event? Yeah, it's, you know, it was um, a lot of, <laughs> and similar to Nicola, when she's talking about is that constant um, having to rethink things. And so it wasn't immediately we knew what was we were going to have to do. We've had to kind of keep changing it throughout the year um, as we've sort of pivoted away from being uh, the the in-person conference so when we had to cancel we decided to have a membership club we gave everybody back their money for refunds and so but said hey we still want to keep you involved with us we don't want to lose them we want them back someday when we do have an in-person event so how are we going to keep them wanting to be part of our event so we went to a membership club and then this um in march we actually launched a summit series so we're actually doing virtual summits as opposed to in person because I mean, last March, we still thought for sure we'd be back for a conference for this May. So we had the conference center still booked. Everything was still, you know, we were still planning as if it wasn't. So, uh, you know, so again, the evolving pivots of trying to figure out what what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, the advantage of being an event planner is you're very detail oriented. You know, every little moving part of everything that you do. But how much more complicated has it become in this form? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's got its different, different things. I've had to learn technology, like I never thought I would. Really? I wasn't expecting to have to, uh, you know, figure out how to, well, you know, zoom, even watching. So, you know, taking on zoom as a as our main platform for how we're doing um, the social media camp. Last year, when we first canceled, we said to people, we're going to go virtual. And we were had it all planned. We were going to have like the big camera crews. We were going to make it like a real, we were sending cameras to our speakers all over Canada um, and doing things like that. But people were afraid. They didn't want a virtual event. They didn't understand a virtual event. So they were like up in arms, like, no way. You you can't be doing a virtual event now. It's second nature. People yeah. go, yeah, it's like, of course we're doing a virtual event. What else would we be doing? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you hear a lot of people when they talk about, well, when we get back to, I don't want to say normal, but whatever we're going to end up doing. The, people talk about there being a hybrid, events that are still going to be partly in person and partly virtual. I can't really get my head around that yet. Maybe you can help me understand that. How would that happen or how could that happen? Yeah, I really think we're going to get hybrid for a number of different reasons. I think people are still going to be a bit afraid. People have gotten, and I want to say lazy, but we've gotten used to the ease of doing, going, not leaving my house, sitting in my pajamas on a conference. You know, I think people are going to have said, you know, and they can also do things a lot cheaper. I'm not paying for flights to go to a conference. Yeah. I can sit on my computer and watch it. So I think the expectation is going to be, there's going to be people that are still going to want the virtual side of it. But there's also going to be the people who are dying to get back into in-person, you know, networking, seeing faces and stuff like that. So I think we're going to be doing quite a mixture and not even with my social media account, but I'm also involved with things like the Victoria Marathon and the TC10K and, and that. So I think all of those events are probably going to have to figure out a way to, you know, at least maybe gradually move out of what, we are, what we're doing right now. I don't think it's going to be a cold turkey. We're just doing... No. 
we're moving over. Yeah, it's not going to be a switch. It's going to be a dimmer, and it's going to be quite mm-hmm. gradual. I mean, the other part of this, too, is that any sort of an event that is staged involves revenue, and, you know, you can you buy a $200 ticket to go to a conference in person. You can't charge $200 for an online session. How does that pivot the revenue piece of this? Yeah, um, you know, revenue has, I won't lie, it's been awful this year um, because I can't charge, you know, in my industry, in the social media world, everybody's offering free virtual seminars. There's free this, there's, you know, um, because it becomes so easy for everybody to be able to put out their education and their information through the virtual summits. So um, that's been tough for sure, not being able to charge the the money that I need to be doing. But my goal all the way along has been keep people interested, keep people following us on social media, keep us on our newsletter list so that eventually we'll be able to sell them again on those bigger ticket prices. But yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, you mentioned when we do go back to in-person events, what has changed forever about in-person events, do you think? Um, I think we're all going to have really good contracts in place (laughs) and (laughs) refund policies and all those types of things that if things go sideways again, like we, we all had to learn so quickly. I was very blessed in that I had speakers that were coming that I am before I decided to give out refunds to everybody, I didn't know if they were going to give me their deposits back, but they did. Mm. But I, that's not something that would always happen. That was something in that case. So I think from now on, we're going to have to have all those places, things in place that we know um, how we're going to, how we're going to deal with things. Yeah. Uh, There's, I'm sure there is an association of event planners across the country. Uh, You sort of have a, a loose network of people. Like what else are you hearing from people across the country? I think similar. I think, you know, especially I'm very connected with the the running community and the running events because of um, doing that for the last 20 years. Um, so again, it's, it's be trying to become creative and how they're going to move forward with their, with their events and things, because you kind of got to stand out from everybody. Um, when the rush comes on, is everybody going to want to come to Victoria again versus going to like right now you can do the virtual, you can do the Boston marathon as a virtual yeah. event. You can never go to the Bo- Boston marathon is really hard to qualify for, but right now you can do it virtually. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition. A lot of them have moved their dates all into the same, you know, same time frame. So um, how are we going to, but I think, uh, you know, I think people have seen the virtual, the virtual world. And I think, yeah, that whole, I think everyone's feeling the, the need for having the hybrid events for sure. Yeah. You ever kind of close your eyes and imagine you're in a room crowded with people again? I know. Watching TV and you're like, wait, why are those people next door to each other? Why are they standing so close? <laughs> oh yeah. Shot pre-COVID or shot during COVID. You can always tell yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tammy, thanks for this. And people can go to the website for Social Media Camp and find out more information about it and be involved with that and the other things you do. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Okay, Tammy Tate. Something else that we've seen change in our landscape around here is the idea of security and the amount of it and exactly what it's for. We're going to talk about that pivot next. Yeah, the, the, the look of things on the street in and around retail locations and the places where people are being housed right now, security and public safety has become front and center more than ever. Joining me now to talk about that is Mirko Fil- uh, Filipovich, and he is the CEO and the president of Themis Security. Mirko, hi. Good afternoon. So tell me a little bit about Themis pre-COVID. What were you doing? Well, pre-COVID, we're, we're really not doing that much, things that much that differently. Um, we're still providing the same level of service. The difference between pre and during COVID is just the volume of, of work and requests for service. There's been some change uh, in terms of um, uh, us 
providing service to uh, places that we traditionally would not be, like grocery stores and pharmacies, and and uh, just maintaining um, the numbers and and, and uh, making sure people are complying with the provincial health orders. So things of that nature. It's it's a little bit of a change, but for the most part, it's just a, just a volume and increase in demand yeah. uh, for for a security service. And how quickly did that pivot happen from the outset of COVID? Uh, if you blink and happened, it, it was very quick. It was, uh, yeah, it, it, we had to make some uh, significant changes in how we do things. And not only in terms of how we protect our clients and provide our service, but also in terms of how we uh, looked after our staff and whether, you know, make sure that you know, they have the proper uh, information and, and protection and, and dealing with uh, with the public, and uh, uh, so that was uh, that required a fairly rapid response on our part. Yeah. So as this demand came forward, what exactly were people asking for? We need you to come and do this for us. What is it they're asking? They're they're asking us, uh, you know, primarily to act as a, as a, as a gatekeeper and to make sure that we are there for. Uh, for our clients, for their customers, that they feel safe, uh, providing peace of mind, knowing that um, the staff are there to provide a service. And if there are issues, we will find ourselves, um, you know, uh, interjecting ourselves and, and dealing with situations as they, as they arise. It takes a certain type of person to do the line of work that you offer to people. And, uh, you know, workforce has always been an issue around here. People trying to find and keep employees. Where have you found these new employees that you've brought in? We, we've had to really increase our, uh, how, and, and make an adjustment as to how we attract people, um, you know, how we interview them uh, virtually, over the phone, over the Zoom, and our ability to, uh, to do that. Uh, the Chamber has helped uh, in that respect, um, using a number of online resources, such as Indeed.com has been a good source. Word of mouth and referrals is also been a great uh, uh, way of attracting new people, but it, it, it is a, it is a struggle. It is a constant struggle for us. Yeah. What sort of training do people undergo before they go to work for you? They they have to take a a forty hour course uh, that's offered through uh, JIBC Justice Institute of BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to go through a fingerprint, uh, criminal record check, and be able to obtain their security license uh, before they can be uh, hired. Your people are probably encountering some pretty difficult circumstances, some very challenging circumstances. Uh, you, you mentioned the public, uh, sorry, the safety of your own staff and your own employees. Mm-hmm. Have many sure. of them, have they been threatened? Have they been challenged? It has been a challenge, for sure. And, and we're dealing more and more with uh, mental health uh, issues. Uh, we're dealing with overdoses, um, not on a daily basis, but on a fairly regular basis. Um, and, and that takes a toll on, on our staff. Uh, the training that is provided uh, through the JIBC doesn't even begin to address some of the challenges, some of the situations that we're having to deal with. Uh, so we're implementing a number of uh, things internally and then providing as much information and options as how to deal with and, and, and support uh, for our staff. But it, it's uh, certainly something that we've had to make an adjustment uh, during COVID. We know that within that particular community we're talking about, centered largely in downtown Victoria, there's a criminal element. 
Uh, it's a small part of it. It's a small number of people causing all of the problems, but dealing with the criminal part of it must be frustrating. Because I know you work with Vic PD on this too, right? We, we do. And, uh, and it is frustrating. Um, and we're expanding our downtown street patrol, which we've been operating since 2013. And so we're uh, looking to um, make ourselves available and accessible to more businesses and uh, be more visible and provide a level of deterrence that I think that we've been uh, providing up to now, but just increasing it and, and making it uh, more accessible to all and, and available to all the businesses. But yeah, you're right. There's, there is a small element uh, uh, that uh, commits a large percentage of, of crime. And uh, we've also been working with the community resource officers uh, through VicPD, um, and they have been uh, great to work with. And, and uh, hopefully we'll, we've helped with some of their caseloads and then dealing with some nonviolent crimes as well. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard that you have helped with that. So that's great. I guess the, the point to be made, too, is that you're not in the law enforcement business. You're in the security business. That's different, Correct. right? Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the future of safety in our communities? What do you see this all looking like in... I don't even want to put a time frame on it, but let's say we get through the pandemic. What what are we going to be living with every day? You know, uh, and, and I think we've had our conversations uh, in, uh, you know, along this line is that it, it, it's going to be a collaborative effort. It, it is no, no one agency, no one uh, entity is going to be able to address all these issues. So it really has to be on both the provincial, municipal, the private and the public sector. Um, you know, our hope is that as a, as a, pub, as a, as a private entity, we can provide a, a level of support and, and, and address some of the safety and security and uh, issues uh, relating to, especially downtown, and, uh, and be a, a contributing member uh, to the, to the, in this effort. Yeah. Are you hiring right now? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> is that, so if people do want to look into working for you or finding out more about it, what would they do? Um, you can visit our site, uh, themispro.com. Uh, you can uh, Google us. We have a fairly uh, uh, high profile on Google. We're happy to talk to you. Well, thanks for talking to us today, and thanks for the work you're doing. And thanks for being a chamber member. Mirko Filipovic is the CEO of Themis Pro Security. That's Chamber Chats for now. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Island Savings and C-SPAN Victoria Shipyards. You can find these broadcasts, of course, on both the Czech News and the Victoria Chamber websites, and we're airing live on Czech television as well. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you again for a Chamber Chats.